There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk The Go Radio Business Show with Sir Tom Hunter. Liz Truss keeps going growth, growth, growth. I don't think she hit the right levers for growth in her budget. And Lord Willie Hockey. Patrick Harvey will go down in history as the man who stopped investment and added to the calamitous lack of housing that we have in Scotland. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions. So more than Willie. Morning, Tom. Well, what another incredible week now. Do I feel the hidden hand of hockey here? The Chancellor's gone, U-turns, handbrake turns. What on earth's going on, Willie? Oh, I would hope for one minute I had that sort of power, Tom, but uh, <laughs> unfortunately it wasn't me I got rid of him. But people did hear it first here. Absolutely. No, we said it last week that no way would this budget survive and there's a good chance that he won't survive either. And it shows you what a brutal game politics is. It's a full contact sport. Because you were telling me earlier that the Chancellor and the PM were very close personal friends, but the PM has brought down the hatchet. Yes, she has. And obviously with the appointment now of Jeremy Hunt, I don't know where that leaves us. But uh, it's some mess. It's a complete shambles. But th this had to be done. And I, and I don't know if Liz Trust will survive either. So, I mean, you must be loving this. Um, trouble at the top, there used to be a great business programme, but trouble at the top of the Tory party. I read this week, Willie, that 50% of Tory voters think they've made the mistake in the PM. <laughs> what do you think? I was expecting that number actually to be higher, Tom, <laughs> right? It just shows you that they all weren't honest. Uh, <laughs> I think that, that the situation they find themselves in at the moment is somewhere where they've never been before. And e even for the Tories, like this is a shambles. When you get all the big beasts this week and all the people maybe who are queuing up for the job, you know, can't wait to get in front of a camera um, to tell you, you know, that you know that this this can't go on. When when somebody like Ken Clark comes out and says this is a shambles, I think your your days are numbered. And obviously people already are on manoeuvres. So what it shows you is that those 100,000 people who are all part of the CLPs for the Tories across Britain have absolutely got it wrong. So surely this then, you know, this is about leadership and how you become the leader of the Tory party and PM in this occasion. But surely it's a flawed process, Willie. I'm trying to keep the politics out of it, but I'm, I'm fascinated how people get to the top. Rishi Sunak, who I like, he told the truth. Um, he said, you shouldn't be cutting tax at this time. But, and he won the support of the MPs, but he didn't win the support of the membership. Surely that's got reminiscent of Jeremy Corbyn to me. Well, that situation was actually even worse than that, Tom, when it showed you all the candidates that were in the race, right? When they asked the rank and file, the members, he wasn't beating any of them. 
the first person to lose out, I think it was Savvy Javid, was the first to drop out. He was beating him. So for whatever happened that the Tory party members had decided it was anybody but Richie, wow. which is, which is on squad, it's unbelievable. So I've been trying to work out, Willie, this, this week, what on earth is going on? Um, and it's quite hard, I must tell you, but I'm trying to get it simple for my brain. So if, if we were the Chancellor sitting trying to balance the books... Like every business has to do, we've got to balance our books. And we've got all this debt now. But remember, the debt which Rishi Sunak put in place was for furlough, which was a good thing, and was for support of businesses with C-bills, loans, etc. Another thing that I believe was a good thing, we then take on the, the debt of reversing the national insurance for employees and employers, yeah. which, again, I think is a good thing, mm -hmm. and the energy support for consumers and businesses, I think those are good things. Now... <laughs> they should have stopped there. <laughs> Stop, because that is the bulk of the money, Willie. That is the bulk of the money. And I read somewhere this week that... Just because financial markets now have lost any semblance of hope, the price that government pays for its debt has added twenty-two billion pounds onto the bill, just because of the price of the debt. Yes, Willie. yes. That, that's real money. But what's happening is, is um, this is obviously called the business show, and people listening in the last few weeks will think it's the politics show. <laughs> it is not. All of this has an effect on business. All of it. And I think, just for, you know, for the listeners' sake, I think there's a lot of politicians out there, right, who don't understand how finances actually work. No. I mean, when I listen to Patrick Harvey talk about his anti-growth and against growth, I wonder if Patrick Harvey knows that all the money generated for the Treasury comes from private enterprise. Right. I think we should remind them. So say right. that again, Willie. Right. So I if like you this. don't if you don't grow, you die. So yeah. if you stand up as a politician who's part of a coalition and you say, well, you know, like every other Green Party in Europe, no, we are anti-growth and here's what we're doing, then and, and that's what he said in the day of the launch of the Indy Ref 2 paper. I think that you know, that four weeks before it, the First Minister is launching the new 10-year strategy. It was interesting he was not at that launch. But four, and the press were not allowed as well. So four weeks later, when they when they launched the NDRF2 paper, all the journalists have all been waiting there for four weeks to ask the same question and turn on Patrick. And I think that if, if, if that is going to be your stance, then show me your plan for cutting all the jobs in the public services. Yeah. If you don't grow, you die. Yeah, so back to this balancing the books, which is the business connotation of all this. So we understand where they've spent the money and it's something that I always say, governments don't have money. They take money from us, the taxpayers. You know, they can borrow it, but the only people who can pay it back is the people creating the jobs, paying the tax, paying the VAT. That it, There's no some magic money tree somewhere, either in Holyrood or Westminster. No. And... So therefore, the Chancellor's sitting going, right, so I've got all this debt, the price of my debt's gone up, 
which every business out there will understand. So what can I cut? I can't cut the NHS. You shouldn't cut benefits, Willie. I mean, I just hope they don't go down that route because that would be terrible. I mean, the NHS, I see there's seven-year waiting lists yeah. just now down in England. I'm not sure what they are mm. in Scotland. So where on earth does, does this Chancellor go? I, I'm stuck. Oh, there's big decisions to be made. And, and, and everybody is going to have to take a bit of the pain here. It's the only way out. But what the problem we've got at the moment is we don't have a clever PM. We have got a coalition here where you know, we're fighting against each other. The problem we've got at the moment, here's what has to happen here. Business has to declare UDI. And we have to find <laughs> wow. a way, we have to find a way of navigating around these people who are making all the wrong decisions. See, if we don't, we're all in trouble. Right, Willie, so just for our listeners this morning, UDI, what does it mean? <laughs> it's a Universal Declaration of Independence, right. and I don't mean Indy Ref 2. My goodness, right? Willie wants independence. Uh, you thought that was You've a paramilitary group, listener. didn't you? You thought it was a paramilitary group. <laughs> I, I, I'm no god there, Willie. <laughs> I, I think, I'm serious. Yes. I'm serious. No, I know we, you we, If we don't do something here, we are right in trouble, right? And... You know, we've been, it sounded like doom and gloom for the last few weeks, but what we're, what we're saying today is we cannot stand by and let this happen. We can't. Well, that's another e exclusive for the Go Radio Business Show. I'm loving this, Willie. You're on a roll. Now, I want to put a bit more positive. We've got Stuart Patrick coming up, and Stuart's involved with this Clyde Green Freeport. And I was really taken by this, Willie, because it seemed to be a concerted effort and... Everybody wrote to the PM, I'm sure she was reading that, and the First Minister. We had Derek Proven, your pal from Glasgow Airport. We had Sir Jim MacDonald, University of Strathclyde. Sir Anton Muscatelli, University of Glasgow. We had Peel Ports. And this was pulling a Clyde Green Freeport together. And the amount of jobs that could happen here, if and when we all work together, that's got to be good news. And I'm, I'm looking forward to... Stuart telling us more about it. What do you think? Well, I, I would just say to you, I've read the script and the screenplay looks wonderful, right? So, but what it's going to take is we need to get all the people we've been talking about earlier out the way because trust me, it won't happen, right? But it's a great idea. It's a great initiative. I mean, it's all about infrastructure. It's all about, you know, carbon neutral. So all of that is good news. And I just want to get into the meat of all the jobs. I talk about maybe 30,000 jobs. I was heavily involved in the city deal. If it's If it's an add-on to that, then that's fantastic. But no, what it looks like, at least it's a plan. Yes. Right, somebody is thinking out the box about how we can generate something new for Scotland, and I think that's going to be applauded. And I think even Patrick Harvey could get behind this growth because it's a green. Well, you can't use the word growth, or you can, growth. Tom. You can't. You need to drop that word. I mean, surely we can get him on and get a debate going here, Willie. No, we do. If 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 he doesn't get him bored and it's a good idea, we circumnavigate him. That's what we do. If we business has to step up to the plate here, work with now, I'll tell you something interesting. I was uh on the snippets that I seen of the SMP conference, the one thing that I was impressed with, the first minister said, if she meant it, was that this time we have to listen to people outside of our tent. 
Oh, she right. said that? Yes. I missed that. Right. So it's not just people who are saying what we're saying. So, uh, and that is the only way that the, the, you know, that the government might put up, the government might put up an argument. So um, I, I can't wait for the call. You might not get one, but I think I'll get one, right? And, and I think that this is what we need. If my phone don't ring, I'll know it's the First Minister. <laughs> um, so something I've been thinking about, Willie, is we've been talking about these big macro issues on the show, which, to be honest, I'm struggling to get my head round. And I always say to business owners, people striving out there, entrepreneurs, I say, worry about the things that you can control. So I've been trying to come up with tips to help these Folks, because everybody must be worried, Willie. I mean, the price of debt has gone up. The energy, I mean, everything's just coming at the one time. And I was actually struck this week. I watched the programme on Elon Musk and you talk about things going wrong. So in his early days, Tesla was running out of money. His rockets, three of them had blown up. I mean, you talk about the pressure on one man. And what did Elon do? He just was all in. He just borrowed the money wherever he could and he went, I'm not going back. I only know one way, which is forward. And he was almost bankrupt and now he's the richest man in the world. But I was, I was thinking, how do we get that resilience? So number one tip, which I say every week, is cash flow. We've got to be on top of every line in the cash flow. I do it every week in all of my businesses. And um, the second thing that I wanted to say was just this about peer-to-peer -peer support, which is one of the brilliant things about this show. We're actually talking about the real issues facing business. And when I was in, in the last financial crisis, when I was going through my troubles, first of all, I didn't want to tell MD because I felt quite ashamed about it. So I, I couldn't really be honest with MD. But what I'm trying to encourage people listening to the show today is go and find another entrepreneur and just share because I'm sure you will find that the other entrepreneur is worried as well. And there are great organisations, there's Sean's at Entrepreneurial Scotland and he's organising dinners for entrepreneurs to come together. The Scottish Edge and Evelyn's getting all her team and all the entrepreneurs together. And I, I just think going and finding another person who understands it, Willie, I mean, what do you think? Here's my advice. I've been very, very fortunate. I've had 35 years of growth and, and, you know, no great big issues. I would say in the last 18 months, I've had more negativity about things that are happening in the business, things things that make you think about in the shower, right? And right. You, you can't get to sleep at night. You know, the always question you always ask you is, you know, what keeps you awake at night? I've been very fortunate that nothing has kept me awake for a long, long time. What I've learned myself in the last few months is, is you know, as the brick price comes in at 28% more and this is going to change and now we're going to get a rent freeze, all of these things, what I've learned, and, I learned, and I've seen it in spades in the Elon Musk thing is, is that entrepreneurs don't pretend, right, that there's negativity there, but what they do is we have to put it aside. And Elon Musk said on that table, if Andy's negative, you need to leave. Yeah. Right. I could be saying the things you're saying. That's not going to help anybody. And I think my one bit of advice is if you're running your organisation, this is the time to inspire. Right. It's not that you pretend you don't know that all this is going over, but what you need to be is a sponge. You need to take all that. 
I need to deal with that, but you guys just deal with the good stuff and keep getting on with it. And I think that, unfortunately, there's going to be... There's going to be issues for every single business that's out there at the moment, and I think that for and also for your mental health, don't let things get on top of you. And the point that you're making is, try and get into a peer group where you can share things. Because trust me, they've all got the same things to say. Absolutely. And so the things that the organisations you mentioned, and like the chamber, you no, know, Stuart's coming this morning. Right. They need to step up to the plate as well, you know, and say, find out what's happening with our members. Is there anything we can do at the moment to help everybody get through this? And that's not about giving people money or something, but it's just put uh, your hand around somebody and say, look, this is worse over here. Look at what's happening and we'll get through this. I think we need to do that. Yeah. So why don't you and me try and come up with a tip every week to try and help the entrepreneurs and the business drivers out there? Because as, as you've said, every single business will have an issue right now. But this is where the real leaders step up, Willie. Yeah, definitely. The first thing that we should do is, we mentioned some of the organisations today, we should actually get in touch, you know, maybe start through Stuart and get in touch with people, Scottish Enterprise, Entrepreneurial Scotland, SCDI, the Small Business Forum, all SMEs. Let's try and get the heads of all these organisations, me and you, have a wee dinner, get them all in a room and see what can we do, what can we do, and then if we need to use the show to help them, we'll get that message out there. I think it's a brilliant idea, Willie, and why don't we um, host it at the Hunter Foundation's new headquarters at Blair Estate? You picking up the tab? Um, half us, Willie. <laughs> <laughs> Might have known. And it's a big welcome back to Stuart Patrick from the Chamber of Commerce. Stuart, good to have you back. Thank you very much. Great morning, to be Stuart. Back. Good morning. morning. Good morning. Well, <clears throat> missing out on Eurovision is certainly disappointing. Oh. But we have wished our counterparts in Liverpool all the very best for Absolutely. next May. It's a huge event and they don't have much time, but I'm sure they will do the UK proud. We may not be singing cheesy songs in the SEC next year, but we have no shortage of other projects we need to see delivered to help Glasgow's economy grow. The Chamber's governing council has chosen a set of 10 projects whose successful delivery could make a real difference to the economic prosperity of Glasgow. These are not projects that the Chamber of Commerce itself can deliver, although many of our members are directly involved, but the Chamber will champion the projects amongst the business community, help make the case for their delivery, and get involved where we can be useful. As it happens, Eurovision didn't feature. It emerged after we had agreed the 10. But the UCI World Cycling Championships in August next year do, and they're an equally big deal. They maybe don't have as high a profile as Eurovision, but they are a fresh new concept and over 11 days will involve even more athletes than the 2014 Commonwealth Games. Glasgow's three innovation districts are another chosen project. Glasgow's status as a UK innovation accelerator could generate as much as £100 million worth of investment in the district supporting engineering, financial services and life science industry growth. A long list of R&D projects is going through eligibility checks with Innovate UK very soon. The signs are that business is responding, which we need since there's a two-to-one private-to-public investment leverage target to meet. We're also waiting for the announcement from both the Scottish and UK governments of their decision on which two bids for a green freeport will go ahead in Scotland. Glasgow Chamber is backing the Clyde Green Freeport, which would boost investment at the locations where our exports leave Scotland to get to their markets, through port facilities on the river, from Glasgow Airport, and from the Eurocentral rate frail hub uh, in Lanarkshire. 
Altogether, Clyde Green Freeport could generate 45,000 jobs for West Central Scotland. Wow. It looks like the announcement of investment zones might have added extra complexity to the decision, but we hope to hear very soon. Speaking of the river, there's some very good news from BAE Systems, who are committing to investment in a huge new wet basin shipbuilding hall in Govan, large enough to house the construction of two Type 26 destroyers undercover at the same time. That's a vote of confidence in the long-term future for shipbuilding on the Clyde. Excellent. Can they do ferries, Stuart? Um, we'll pass <laughs> over on that one. Thank you very much. Also, uh, the delivery of the City Centre Task Force recovery plan is another important project. The most recent data shows us a 4% dip in spending in August. Energy price inflation, looming mortgage interest rate rises, these are already affecting consumer confidence back then. Footfall uh, those increasing now that students are back to campus, although we are very aware of the lack of student accommodation. Office workers are still not showing signs of returning. An average day in September showed footfall was well ahead of pre-pandemic levels in the evening, but only two-thirds of what it was during the peak morning commute hours. The Chamber's city centre focus is on supporting new investments like Lansex, Buchanan Galleries and Sovereign Centros' St Enoch Centre through the planning process. We're also alert to the urgent need for a new role for Socky Hall Street. And we're also exploring ideas for closing the funding gap that is stopping the conversion of empty offices and shops into housing in those vitally important and beautiful old buildings in the central business district. It just has to be said that the housing rent freeze is now making a difficult job well nigh impossible. More positively, the City Centre Task Force has been investing extra Scottish Government funding to clean up the City Centre and also to increase its policing. Fresh reports from Police Scotland now show that antisocial behaviour is reducing significantly as a result. And finally, at the Glasgow Business Awards last week, over 600 people gathered to celebrate the success of our city's business community, with the overall winner being Cullen Eco-Friendly Packaging, the Glasgow Science Centre deservedly winning the Glasgow Times Reader's Favourite Business, and Professor Pamela Gillis getting the Chamber's Lifetime Achievement Award as she retires after 17 years as principal at Glasgow Caledonian University. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Plenty going on in Glasgow. My goodness. And yet, yeah, just a wee mention for Pamela. She yeah. did an outstanding job at Glasgow Caledonian Uni University. Absolutely outstanding. And we wish her all the best. There, the there's a perfect example of leadership. Yeah. Right. That was all down to one person and her drive and, and what a job. And, you know, I, I, I was at an event with her a couple of weeks ago and with Sir Alex Ferguson, it was a fundraiser. And we talked about, you know, right back at the start, you know, when, when she started the journey and how many students and it's double and the amount of, you know, the money she's raised and the job that she's done. But, but she is the best example I've seen of someone there in, in education been a true entrepreneur. I, I think Joan Stringer at, at Napier was the same. So we've got really good entrepreneurs running, you know, in, in our educational institutions doing such a wonderful job, right? And so we'd love to wish her all the best. I think she's having a wee, maybe a wee going away doing a few weeks, so maybe we'll all get a wee invite. But uh, Pamela, what a job you've done for Glasgow. Well done. Coming next, Hunter and Hockey chat to Dr. Poonam Gupta, OBE, CEO of one of Scotland's most successful export businesses, PG Paper. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, helping you with a wide range of business needs. Go Radio. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitisation, data security and more. 
As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs, saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk the Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. This week's special guest is Dr. Poonam Gupta, OBE, CEO of one of Scotland's most successful export businesses, PG Paper. Operating in over 60 countries with offices in India, the US, China, Sweden, Turkey and the United Arab Emirates. Poonam, good morning. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Good morning, Lord Hockey. <laughs> <laughs> and Poonam, it's especially great to see you in here this morning, so you're very welcome. Thank you very much for having me on your show. How would you like to tell the business a bit about your story, right from the very start, and, and how you've built your business up? Uh, I'm born and brought up in India, um, and I made uh, most of my education was there, and I made my journey here to the west of Scotland from very sunny Delhi back in <laughs> 2002. 2002. That's yeah, correct, right. back in 2002. And basically, I got married to a wonderful man here in Scotland. And uh, when I came over, um, unfortunately, within weeks of that, I got the news of my mother passing away. Ah. I went back to India, came back again, um, and I wasn't in a very good place. And I didn't know anybody here. I had an arranged marriage. So it's a lot of things to adjust, country, family, and a big loss of uh, my mother. And I start, realized very soon that I wasn't in a good place in my head and I needed to get out there to make friends. I didn't know anybody. Yeah, right. And I started looking for a job. And nobody would offer me a job despite <laughs> my double degree. And I, I was either overqualified, no experience in the UK. And I just thought, you know, what do I do? So. I started uh, working voluntarily in a chartered accountancy firm. And as luck would have it, I'd put it down to luck, I was in their tax department. Right. So even though I was possibly the lowest um, admin person there, I was hearing a lot of conversations about VAT, about business, about business gateway, Scottish enterprise, and I was taking it all in. Yeah. Two months later, um, when I finished my job, they didn't offer me anything because I must have sucked at my job. <laughs> but I learned a lot in those two months. And I realized that, okay, nobody's offering me anything. What about if I start something of my own? Right. And at that time, I'm a keen reader, always have been. There was a lot of talks, if you remember, about 20 years ago in recycling targets. How do we recycle? Yes very basic level conversations. And I was reading a lot about it. Started researching and I realized maybe there is something here. I was researching a lot of businesses coming from India. You know, a lot of people I knew were in various businesses. I was like, when I import, export, what do I do? Uh, my first business was actually a locum agency. It was doing well, but I didn't have my heart in it. Right. You know, I was always a person who was curious, wanted to know people's person, wanted to know about other cultures. Somehow, I knew that I wanted to do something in international trade. I wow. knew it deep inside. Okay. Um, so I started researching, and it took me 10 months research, cold calls, lot of knockbacks, but I knew I was on to something. And um, the first deal came along with an Italian manufacturer, 
I basically, you know, focused and focused, and then basically when came down to a metals business uh-huh. and paper business, I, you know, brought it down to that because you remember it was talk about paper recycling, it yes. was talk about plastic recycling, metal recycling. So I started with that, and uh, I managed to convince, I would say, fib my way into an <laughs> Italian manufacturer and convince them to sell me a couple of containers of their waste, which I could reuse. I see. In India. So overnight, I managed with one deal. I had no money to pay. I think it was something about 25,000 euro. I had no money in my pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing to pay. So I then started thinking, what do I do here? But I had done a lot of good research. So I knew if I created a value proposition for my customer, there was a way to bridge the finance gap through the customer itself. Right. And that's how PG started and ran for at least for five years. It was debt-free. I was doing my deals, basically getting my payment upfront from my customers and paying the suppliers and rotating that cash and reinventing. So, so this is really interesting for any of our listeners this morning. How do you do it when you don't have any cash in the beginning? Okay. <laughs> this is a Come very on, give good... Us, this is a big tip, Willie. I can feel it coming. A, how do you do it? You, there were so many businesses I was uh, researching. Right. Why did I settle on trading? Because I realized I needed very little or no money for trading. For the cash flow. For the cash flow. Right. I didn't have any money. I had no credit rating in the UK. No bank was going to give me money. Banks didn't even want to open a bank account for me. <laughs> Forget about giving me money. So I thought, okay, here I am trying to buy and sell. I have to buy something, I have to pay for it, and I have to sell it. All I did was bridge that finance gap by creating a value proposition for the customer where he would maybe make a little bit more money than I did, but I'd be able to get money in advance. And that's what I did. But it wasn't easy. So you you understood cash flow from day one, Poonan? You both are very successful businessmen. You know that cash is king. Yeah. So, you know, cash flow was very, very important because if I don't have the cash, I can't buy anything. If I don't have anything to buy, how am I going to sell it? Yeah. And even basic things like internet, paying your phone bills, they all require cash payments. I was, I never ran huge debt on my credit cards. No? No. Wow. wow. That's wow. amazing, Molly. And, and so tell us about the size of the business today. The business is a... PG paper alone, so I do have businesses beyond PG paper now. PG paper alone is trading just under 60 million pounds only in the UK. Wow. And they, I think this year goes to plan. We are on target for just over 80 million. The long term plan is now, short term plan is 250 million. Wow. <laughs> and how long do you think it will take you to get to that, Puna? Well, sometimes I have missed my targets yeah. um, and I will not make any excuse for it. Yeah. Uh, but I think it should take me another three years to go to 250 million. I and ha- I think I'm doing yeah. all the right things. I have missed every growth target I've ever done in the last 15 years. Okay. <laughs> that, yeah, and I won't change. I know now you say, no, make it a year longer, a year longer, but I still won't change. Okay. <laughs> Can I ask you about, because I think... Um, men have got it easier than women. Like when I was growing my business, um, Marion took it, looked, looked after the kids, and I didn't really see them much, and I was working, and that was fine. How on earth did you balance 
starting your business, taking care of your family, because I think that would be a great story for the listeners this morning as well. Okay, I come... Okay, do men do have it easier, I have to say. I, I and, agree. And I think it's not their fault. Because <laughs> well, thank you. it's years of, you know, society, you know, the expectations that it puts on men and women differently. But it's changing. It's changing. We're all talking about it. You're asking me the question, yes. which means it's changing. I come from an Indian family. And actually, there is more pressure on Indian women to look after their family. We are kind of, from very young age, we are brought up to think that, okay, our, finish your education to the basic level, not sometimes even the highest level, not all Indian women, but certainly the family that I came from. And then my job is basically go look after your family, have your children support your family. I wanted more. And I think that's because I've been an observer as a child. I looked at society I looked that India was actually quite, um, is still quite male-dominated society. And I, I mean, I could do all of that. Surely I can make chapatis, but I can also <laughs> sell paper. <laughs> you know, I can, I can, I always thought I can balance and I can do all of that. Was it easy? It wasn't easy because no. my business was born before my girls came along. Ah. I have two beautiful children and they're 15 and 17 now. I... One thing that worked for me is because I was working at, on my own business, I chose to work from home. That oh. worked for me, which is what's happening a lot yes. now. So you yes. were ahead of the curve there. I think I was 20 years ahead of the yeah. curve there. Yeah. Um, and because I had always an international business, um, I it required, you know, internet connection. We are lucky that we have that technology, phone connections and travels. So the way I balance that is, Actually, my older daughter, who's 17 now, took more than 17 international and national business trips with me before she was one year old. Oh, my wow. goodness. Oh. Really? Yes. She was like wow. my laptop and my backpack. She <sighs> went with me everywhere. Because wow. I was also a nursing mother. I'm sorry, it's maybe TMI. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's real for the women no. who know how yes. do we do that. There have been conversations over the years where manufacturers still remember this woman who came to the largest board meeting with a two-month-old or three-month-old child. Wow. And I think I was just kind of shameless, you can say. If I was traveling to China, I'd just tell them, look, I have a young child. They didn't know how young. Um, and, you know, I'm traveling with her. But the good thing I saw was wherever I went, whether it was Holland, whether it was Belgium, whether it was China, whether it was Thailand, whether it was Dubai, wherever I went with her, I got a lot of support. Support that I hadn't actually even asked for. I would just put her in a pram, put her in a corner, in a boardroom. All her toys were kind of, I used to improvise, give her plastic cups to play with, something she wouldn't hurt herself with. But every time I was in a board meeting, some nice person from somewhere in the office would come and say, oh, let me take her. Because they were so kind of surprised by it yes. that there was a mother, there was this young woman coming with this child, and they all took it really well. They would be impressed. Yeah. Can, can I ask for when you were a young girl back in India, did you have entrepreneurial tendencies at a young age? I think I had. I think my first business venture was when I was only 10 years old. I organized a festival. But it was wow. like <laughs> I organized a small festival with the neighborhood and they all these kids had their stalls and everybody made money. 
So I think I think I did have that entrepreneurial spirit. Were you selling chapatis? Uh, yeah, was, <laughs> and, and, and a lot more than chapatis. So I mean, going back to just finishing off with the balancing life, it's not always easy. Yeah. But one thing I've learned with my experiences, I not didn't always ask for support. I think we shouldn't be shy asking for support. Right. And sometimes actually we as mothers take very big responsibility on our shoulders. This is all my responsibility. But sometimes I feel maybe we are just limiting our children when we are limiting them to ourselves. Children thrive differently when they have access to their grandparents. When you have that support system or my friends help. I wasn't very forthcoming asking for help. But if I had to do it again, I would try and ask for that support and help. I don't need to carry that guilt constantly. No. You know say no. yes and and I think I need to involve people who want to be involved in my life. You know, I need to ask for that support. I need to say I believe in leading by example. And if I want my children to pursue their dreams, which is what I want for them, they have now seen a mother who's brought them up you know who's maybe not got it right all the time but has been able to balance her career and her children and be there for them maybe not all the time but when they need me they're very close to me both my girls and i'm proud to say that and if my children tell me today i want to be like you that is i think my biggest achievement in life i mean they wow. both say to me they're proud of me and they say mama we want to grow up like you so has your children got entrepreneurial zest within them as well, Poonan? Well, you know, they because they've travelled with me, because they've yeah. heard these conversations. I mean, they the older one is certainly very entrepreneurial. She'll discuss business ideas with me. But I tell her that don't expect a free run here. No. You know, like I want <laughs> her to learn that, you know, it's not easy. And I want her to try and make it for herself. The younger one is horsey person. She right. competes with horses and you know like she's a show jumper and she is very very committed to that. And um, so yeah, I think you know I'll see where where they both go in life, but I think they are my good girls and whatever they do, you know I'm there to direct them and then it's their life. So so the deal is that you and your other daughter will work very very hard <laughs> to pay for the equestrian achievements <laughs> of your other daughter. She's got it sorted. We would see the Indian culture, family culture of very close, you know, and very supportive and and very loyal. For that, is it is do you believe that the girls will come into the business because of that? Eh. Uh, one thing I've learned with, you know, pe my peers or, you know, fellow entrepreneurs um, and, you know, people who are way more successful than me and their children is perhaps we shouldn't give it that easy to our children. I Do I want them really to come into the business? I think before I they would even think about that, I want to go away and do their own thing, learn from their experience. It's so important in life because it's very, e nobody gave it to me on the plate. Yeah. So I learned the value of money. I learned, I have this hardworking, you know, attitude about myself. Both my girls are very hardworking, but you know, I don't want to be that mother or I don't want my husband to be that father who just gives them a red carpet to walk on. Sometimes we do when we take them for events and maybe for that, for me, for them, that is like an ambition. I want this in my life going forward, but they'll have to work for it. Can I say, Pram? We all think that and we all feel miserably. <laughs> right? The red carpet just gets longer and longer. 
<laughs> we're, we're going to be tough on them. We're going to make them work. And, you know, they're going to have it. It's, it just doesn't happen. Okay, yeah. I'm going to take that red carpet from under yes, their feet then. absolutely. <laughs> take absolutely. that magic carpet yeah, away. Yeah. So, so for our listeners this morning, Poonam, I mean, I, I think you're a wonderful role model for, for everything you've articulated this morning. But have you got any top tips for um, people sitting at home thinking, goodness, I either want to start or I don't know where to go? Um, what do you think? Because you've had an amazing experience. This The story is incredible. What would you like to pass on to the listeners this morning? See, I came to this country and I didn't know anybody. Yeah. Okay. And I had to learn everything, basics, language, dialogue, you know, language I knew, but you know, like how to interact. I learned everything from the scratch. But today I feel there is a lot of support out there. Yes. There is Business Gateway, there is Scottish Enterprise, there is Entrepreneurial Scotland, there is Scottish, there is so much support out there that I didn't know about. Yes. If they want to start, if anybody wants to start something, the basics is go and ask for help, seek that help. Yes. Yeah. Whether it is from entrepreneurs in your area, whether it's through mentorship, whether it is through going to these agencies, don't ever think that, you know, because I don't come from a business family, because I don't have money, I can do it. Because I have, I got married in a medical family. Yeah, right. None of them knew business. Yeah. You know, did I know business? Maybe very little. I had to learn. It can be done. Sometimes the scariest place is to start. You know, yes, start, yeah. do yeah. something. And, and sometimes we also find people around us who will tell us in more than one way why we will fail, certainly fail. Yeah. And that's where... We've got to look inside and believe in ourselves. But that belief comes from very good research. Not be blindfolded just because I, I have an idea doesn't mean it's the greatest idea in the world. <laughs> you have to take it beyond friends and family yeah. to know the reality of that idea. Yeah. And, and I think if we combine that research, put in that effort, the hard work, which is required. Be ready to work hard. You know, we, it, it doesn't happen. Some people are very lucky. They win lotteries, you know. But There's no substitute. There, there is no substitute to that. Good research, hard work, asking for support. And there are so much help in entrepreneurial entrepreneurship out there. Seek that help. You know, build, fill in those knowledge gaps. Very, very important. I, I think it's a great answer because this is what this show is all about. And and half of the organisations that you talked about today, that have, probably Tom started them all. So, <laughs> so yes. no, but for the listeners and, and the business community that's listening, it's great that you've put that across this morning, Puran, because this is what this is about. And what we're trying to do now is take it to the next level. We're trying to see what's missing in that. We call it a conveyor belt and revisit that. So, you know... Um, talking to Stuart Patrick this morning about what can we do, what more can we do? And I think rather than just sitting complaining about what's wrong, how can we fix it? And I think it's, it's fantastic that you've got that message out there today that for someone starting today, we're not saying it's much easier, but there is many more places to go now for help than there was back in the day when we all started. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I... Sir Tom Hunter, you've started so many entrepreneurial... I think you started one of the first entrepreneurial hubs in Scotland. I still remember that. Yeah. And I, because I got invited and one of the ladies in my village actually got a desk there. Oh, right. Okay. And she was doing something with towels and I helped her with that. So, you know, all this help is out there. It's about just try and seek that help and don't be scared. What's the worst that's going to happen? What's the worst? Yes, now, exactly. Can I ask you about your OBE? 
Okay. So, congratulations. How, how did you feel? I was shocked. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasantly. Pleasantly. I, I never saw it coming. It was never in my plan. No. Everything I have done in my life, I can say it with the hand on my heart, whether it's charity, whether it's helping people, whether it's my own business, it's because I wanted to. Sure. Because that's, you know, I want to give back to the community. I come from a country where so much still needs done. India is fast becoming a superpower, already fifth in largest economy in the world. But there is still so much you can do. There's so much you can do here. And, and I just thought I came with nothing. This country has given me so much. It is actually my duty to give back. You know, it is not, I'm do, not doing anybody a favor by giving. I'm doing myself that favor. So whatever I did, and you know, when I saw this honor and I opened the letter, I was like, this can't be real. <laughs> so I was actually really pleasantly surprised. And I think that's another thing my children have seen. Yeah. That, you know, yeah. my mother got that. We all went to Buckingham Palace to receive that. Was your mom still? My mom's never seen any of my journey. My no. mom passed away back in 2002, a week into my marriage. Oh. So, but I'm sure she's up I'm, there somewhere I'm and sure she and smiling at me. Yeah. Well, I think Scotland's very lucky that you chose to come and do what you're doing here. So, yeah. thank you. Well, I'm very lucky that I chose a beautiful country like Scotland where people were very inviting and very helpful and still are. So... I think the feeling is mutual. Penan, I met you many, many years ago when I came down to do a talk at Chamber, and it's I'm I'm so thrilled to see that the journey you've had since then, that you've grown your business, and it sounds like you know single-handedly. And I think what people will hear today is that grit and determination, never give up, nothing got in your way, as we've been talking about and discussing this morning. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us this morning. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Coming next on Hunter and Hockey, the board you can't afford. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, providing secure archive storage to your business. Go Radio. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs, saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. The board you can't afford. This is the Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. Good morning, Mike, and welcome to the Go Radio Business Show. Thank you for calling in. Oh, good morning. Thanks very much for taking my call. Would you like to tell us a wee bit about yourself, the business, and then any question? Yeah, so um, I'm the, one of the directors at Age Scotland, which is the national charity for older people. And one of the areas I look after is social enterprise called Age Inclusive Workplaces, which is all about trying to make organisations more accommodating in the way they work with older workers. Uh -huh. So my question is really around the fact that Scotland has a rapidly ageing workforce and people are working for longer than ever, either because they need to financially or they want to socially. And people in their late 50s are a valuable but often overlooked and under-supported group in the workplace. So I'd be interested to hear what Sir Tom thinks about 
what do you think employers need to do to make the most out of older workers? And what benefits would that have for the economy? Wow. So, Mike, it's a pleasure to hear you on the Gorary of Business show this morning. I think it's a very interesting question when um, a lot of businesses are struggling to get the right um, skills into their business. And one of the major things of an older employee would be those skills and that experience that they can pass on to perhaps some of the newer members of a team. And it's a real blend and it's a balance as ever. And if your business isn't attracting um, an older type of employee, then I think they're really missing out. Um, what do you think, Willie? Well, Mike, I'd have to say to you, in my own experience, I don't think anyone looks at anybody now in their 50s and regards them as part of the older team I hope in, not. in the building. Honestly, and I, I don't know, obviously, just naturally now that people in their 50s now don't see themselves as old. Um, you know, the, and, and especially now with the you know, the rules all changing in relation to, you know, uh, getting pensioned off at 65. Now people can work as long as they like. Uh, and I know for a fact that I've got hundreds, hundreds of people who work for me as cleaners uh, down south in their 70s and 80s. Um, so... You know, my first, my first observation is is that we don't look at people uh, in their fifties as, as as old. But what to answer your question, I definitely think that more can be done in the workplace, right? As people get towards the nearer the end of their journey than the start of their journey in relation to employment, I've got people in my business that have been with me over thirty years, and I think what we don't do enough of is to sit down with people earlier on and say, you know, what, what, what are you thinking about in five years? What are you thinking about in 10 years? I think a lot more could be done in businesses on that part of it. What do you think, Mike? I think um, I think you're right that people in their 50s don't um, consider themselves to be old, but you, I think you do still have a bit of a culture that says, you know, should we really be putting that person through a pile of training? You know, would we really expect them applying for a new job or a promotion? And I think, you know, as you, as you said about retirement, if you take someone who's 57 and they get promoted into a new job, the chances are they're still going to be there 10 years later. And if you look at an 18-year-old, how many of them are still there when they're 28? So I think you're right, the workplace needs to be balanced, but I do think companies need to consider a little bit more of the circumstances of older workers. You know, some a lot of older workers nowadays have parents with caring responsibility and lots of organisations set up to support people through that, yeah. Okay, yeah. well, um, Mike, thanks for, for coming on. I think you, you bring up a really important point. And um, keep in touch with the show. Let us know how you're getting on. And um, good luck. And the big message that we send out after your question, Mike, is, is that companies out there should maybe think a wee bit more about the maturing workplace for people. And I think that, um, that you know, taking on board what you've said, because certainly it's fair to say that we have only looked at this over the last two or three years. So we were probably guilty back then of the point you're making. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that any businesses listening this morning will get the point that you're making. Yeah, and if any businesses would like a bit of a hand to work out if it's for them, get in touch with Dave Scott. We'd be happy yeah. to help. Well, tell us, let's give us, what's your, give us your www. What's your email address? mike.douglas at agescotland.org.uk. Brilliant. You heard it here. Well done, Mike. 
Cheers, Mike. Thank you. Bye. Listen to Hunter and Hockey anywhere, anytime, wherever you get your podcasts. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions. Helping your business with document management, print and IT solutions. Go.